And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Welcome to Bail Bonds Friday. Gary. <laughs> well, how are you? Before we get to that, I just, I got another great reason not to retire. Yeah. To never retire. Right. Uh, when I see that the uh, Biden administration apparently is thinking of uh, coming out with new guidelines, only two beers a week. All right. That's the new health guidelines. All right. So I can handle that while working, but I don't know if I could handle that retired. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't do much drinking, but two beers... Now, are they talking in human years or dog years <laughs> per week? <laughs> I believe it is human years. <laughs> now, it is the Biden administration, though, so you really don't know. Here's the thing. What if I save them all up until the end? I really don't drink. I, I don't know the last time I had a beer. So what if I save them up? It's like the old, it's like the, the joke. Hey, everybody. Sober 18 years. Everybody applauds. The first 18. So can you bank them? That's my question. That would be the, that would be, I think, the question here. Because then if it was once a month, you could have over eight beers. Well, now, yeah, and I've got I've got so much time banked up. I might not be sober <laughs> past the age of sixty-eight. Now, if the feds eventually legalize pot and get their eight mm-hmm. percent tax on it, right? Will they also suggest? Has there been any guidelines on pot? What are you high? No. <laughs> No, Janet Yellen, there hasn't been. What are you, delusional? <laughs> That's still one of the best stories 
<laughs> I didn't know I had shrooms, those kind of shrooms in my uh, dish. I learned I was that later. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. I learned that later. <laughs> later, 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 later. I mean, the, I mean, look, the country's going all to hell, but if I can't have a a, a couple of beers every day, how do you survive all of this? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe if that's my mindset, yeah, I have a problem. Yeah, could be. I'm kidding, folks. All right. Well, uh, the, and, and and I guess we're going to have guidelines. We, there there are guidelines on pretty much everything. But then again, they used to remember the food pyramid. <laughs> Is there a beer pyramid? <laughs> I want to see the beer pyramid. I remember, wasn't like the the food pyramid. Like, wrong? Sorry. Oh, no, no. It was upside down. <laughs> Absolutely upside down. I remember that a couple and, years back. Oh, well, by the way, the food pyramid, never mind. Well, who? let's see. Who lobbied to get all of that? To, oh, oh, the grain industry. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, now the wheat industry has taken over, and everything is off the table. Everybody's going like, beer okay fine just don't touch the weed <laughs> everybody is smoking weed <laughs> okay i could handle two beers a week as uh, long as the weed's legal and there yeah. are no guidelines <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right you ready for this this is what caught my eye all right one of the things that caught my eye how the media reports things all right yeah here yeah, we yeah. go yeah, this, yeah. this is fox news all right i love this yeah, all right yeah. you know where i'm going then we yeah. didn't talk well, about this well no i yeah. mean i just love this kind of when we do oh, okay. these kind of stories oh okay yeah all i right. love i love this part of the okay. show <laughs> <laughs> fox news media draws 12.8 million total viewers for democracy 24 fox news republican primary debate Brett Barron, Martha McCallum moderated the most watched non-sports cable program of 2023. And the tease uh, to get you into it, Fox News smashes ratings record as massive audience tunes in to watch GOP debate. All right. Yep. Now we go to Breitbart. (laughs) Debate rating, only 12.8 million watch, 13 million less than Donald Trump's 2015 debut. Only 12.8 million watched Fox News Republican primary debate Wednesday night in Milwaukee, about 13 million viewers less than former President Donald Trump's debate debut in 2015, Nielsen Media Research uh, uh, shows. Mm. In the key advertising demographic, the uh, viewers uh, between the ages of 25 and 54, the debate received 2.8 million viewers. Fox News claimed the debate drew more viewers than more than 70% of all presidential primary debates in 2016 and 2023. The network also said it was the highest-rated non-sports cable telecast of 2023. The GOP primary debate fell short of the first two Democratic primary debates in 2020, which received 19 million and 15 million. The Hill reported the third Democratic debate received 10 million. Wednesday's debate ratings presumably suffered because Trump decided not to attend the event. So there mm-hmm. you go. Just how two headlines are written. And that's how everybody can claim 
<laughs> we did great. All right, okay, how do we cherry pick this? We did better than this one, this one. Okay, we did better than 70% of them. The other 30% we're just not going to mention. We'll throw the 70% in there so we cover our butt. If anybody asks, I mean, aren't you uh, just celebrating too much here? What about the other 30%? Yeah, but the 70% matters more than the 30%. <laughs> it's just like, ah. Of all of the households <laughs> that contain a member named Lee who has a birthday on a Tuesday in 2036, <laughs> we were number one. <laughs> I what I uh, did like, and I and I think it was uh, a Breitbart that hit a few things that we had talked about yesterday. Think about this: even though the candidates mentioned it, no inflation question, as we talked about yesterday, the economy and inflation. Mm-hmm. There was no inflation. Think think about that. That has consistently been the number one, the number one issue. During the Biden administration, Mm -hmm. nothing has beat inflation and people's word. No question about it. But they got the UFO question in. Oh, yeah. And they got the question in is if if uh, Trump is uh, is uh, found guilty, will you vote for him? Well, you know what really made me angry? I, I went back and watched it again. I was reviewing it again yesterday is they never got to the Taylor Swift tickets question. I mean, what the hell is going on here? What are our priorities? That's proof that they're all smoking weed. They're just getting lazy. It should have been the number one question. And, of course, Chris Christie would have botched it. Well, the economic question should be, should Taylor Swift tour more often because of what I view as so many bogus stories about her impact on the economy, well, yeah. yeah, you impact. You may have an impact on local economy, but overall, Taylor Swift does nothing. Mm. What drives an economy is producing goods and and goods and serv- goods that increase the wealth of society and services that increase the productivity of society. Recreate spending recreational dollars may help a local economy, but it's to basically. A, a fixed recreational dollars if it's spent over here it's not spent over there that's more the movement of money which you and i've talked about when they started looking at the gdp mm-hmm. you know as not the it, when they changed the way they did it, it goes back what 15 years ago maybe yeah yeah and and we objected to it because the movement of money you know they view as you know again the gross domestic product which again you can call it the gross domestic product but when you say that the GDP is the the best indicator of economic growth, right? That, it is that's not, where we would that's where we would disagree because, on because because it is not true productivity, especially when you factor in government spending and everything else. Now, if you're talking about government spending, where you can show, well, because we created this new roadway between here and here created a greater efficiency and people were able to get it to work on, on time or whatever it is Um, that takes, by the way, that takes years. And now they're learning, Oh wait, those roads actually fill in. It doesn't, it doesn't really have a massive impact 
on the time travel, the time travel, the, the time people travel to work. <laughs> if we had time travel, we wouldn't worry about it. Hey, what time are you going to be there? Yesterday. But there's the, you know, there's the problem is that we started measuring the, all of the things that are about looking busy well, one as of the, a nation, one, looking productive. One of the things that has been uh, talked about by economists, especially this year, is so much of the government money that's being spent, which is keeping the GDP up there, which then the Democrats can claim, you know, the economic growth, we're still growing as an economy. And they even talked about, well, in this quarter here, we may see a much bigger uh, increase in the growth of the economy because it's doing great because of government spending, mm-hmm. which, again, is the movement of money. Yeah, right. But it's, you know, what are you doing? You're you're spending a lot more money that you're borrowing from at higher interest rates, not to create more productivity and efficiency uh, or actually ec- economic uh, wealth. But you're putting it, you know, basically for, if you talk infrastructure projects, the majority of infrastructure projects are to maintain what's there. Not that infrastructure projects cannot help the productivity of a nation, but yeah. once they're yeah. built and maintained, you may keep the productivity the same. But the fact is, as we know, with all the climate change spending which is being done, and this is where I object to it, and, uh, we, you know, I don't know if we, yeah, we've had this talk, mm. that the problem with it, you have trillions of dollars of climate change spending that actually decreases wealth and decreases productivity. The government spending on climate change, which will show that the GDP has, you know, increased and therefore we've got great economic growth, is in reality hurting the economy because you get nothing out of it. You don't get an increase in wealth. Right. You get get less productivity. You get less efficiency because you create these huge... You, you give these subsidies for products that companies cannot make money on. So there is no increase of uh, actual wealth. Right. Because they're not selling something. It's not for an legit- investment in any right. way. There is, there is no right. way you can count that as an investment when there is no return on that investment. And then the, the having to, as we have talked about, having the backup power that is needed actually hurts your productivity and if your your productivity it moves it in the opposite direction if, so the spending of the money which the public believes well look the gdp is doing better actually the country's economy is doing worse because of it if you look at the government mandates over the years and how there has been a depletion of wealth and i mean the mandates for the private sector it would dwarf the current national debt. The depletion in wealth has been very real for years. Toyota didn't make a dime off the Prius. And you look at what's going on where, and and what was that about? That was about fleet standards, Mm -hmm. mandates. Take those out of the equation and imagine the expansion of wealth. Imagine, Imagine where we would be, because if you're talking about Necessary government roles, that's one thing. That's what we decided at the at the get-go, at the very beginning. Necessary, limited 
roles of government. We would fund that. But it would be limited. And we went far beyond that to the point now that they throw mandates out that deplete wealth. Yeah. If you wonder why you're paying so much, and we're going to get to, I think there's a story coming up. I know Alan sent us the story. I read it in the New York Times yesterday about the whole food stamps program. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. what does the spending do? Well, spending drives up costs. Yeah. So you're paying more for food because of the food stamp program that they put in place. Yep. Does the opposite. But but the movement of dollars from the government is counted. to the private sector is counted as actually economic growth That's when it when it yeah. does the opposite. Right. That's, and it's bogus. And But that's a perfect example, though, because yeah. I, I think I saw that they believe that could have caused 15% of the inflation. 15% of the inflation. Right there, which right. means the spending of the government money, which the public views, because... Uh, you know they talk about all the time. Well, the government spending is going to increase GDP this quarter, which is a good thing. But the re- result of spending this money, which falsely gives the impression and government promotes the impression that the economy is doing great, you can see where there's less productivity and inefficiency right. because the food prices skyrocket because of that. Right. Which is the opposite of what should happen in a capitalist economy. If you're talking about true economic growth and both companies and families have to choose to create efficiencies, which means going without in this case. And it is not the true efficiencies of being more productive. 866-90-RED-EYE. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I woke up to the mugshot and went, whoa. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, as we said yesterday, leaving here, I said, you know, that's going to be plastered all over. It, it took a minute. They didn't uh, get it done early in the day, but um, well, now he, it's he all even, over social media. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even arrive at Atlanta. Yeah, it was, was, it was, that's what I was saying. It was late. Right. Um, but it was, you know, everywhere on social media. Now, people are using it as their as their profile picture. It's he's going to wear this like a badge of mm-hmm. honor. The left thinks when the um well, the official from uh, Georgia last week, the guy that was saying, "Oh no, 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 we'll make sure that everybody gets a copy of the mugshot. They will be available." I mean, they had a they were you know, basically that was the point of their press conference on that day. I knew right then. Great. You're going to leverage him like never before. Everybody, uh, our friend uh, Ben Shapiro, this this is totally going to backfire. This thing is becoming iconic almost literally, in fact, literally overnight. And that's exactly where this is going to go. We said it from the beginning when we talked about the impeachments. He wears that like a letterman's jacket, not like a scarlet letter. Yeah. Yeah, the Democrats destroyed the impact of impeachments. Yep, with Trump, and now and, indictments. And, 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 and now, exactly now, now indictments. It really is amazing that because it's almost like, oh, okay, it's just what's going on now. You've got the giggling and stuff, right, from the the left that was so right. pleased that yeah. the you know the the mug shot, yeah, uh, was right. oh, we got a mug shot of Trump, yeah. yeah, and then you see it and you're like. I wonder if they're satisfied yeah. <laughs> with how the mugshot came right, out. Right, And they were freaking out about his weight. It was listed as yes. 215. 6'3", <laughs> 215. Whoa, the dude is, he's actually fit. A stud. <laughs> You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara. We're the poor men south of Richmond, and just happy to be here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> west of Richmond, south southwest, south, south southwest of Richmond. Okay, let me let's get the of precise Richmond. the precise GPS north of Austin. You know when when I when I woke up and 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 saw uh, Trump's mugshot. 
you know, I, I thought, you know, and we've we've done this week, you know, where the Republican Party is right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Trump's huge lead and the debate that's going on. And I want to make this clear because people assume that when we say these are the thought processes of Republicans, that every thought and they catch a part of it is our thoughts or our predictions of what's going to happen. We've been blunt. I have no idea. This is completely uncharted territory mm-hmm. in American political history. I have no idea what's going to happen. Trump could win. Trump could not win. Biden could win. Biden might not even be in there at the end. Kamala Harris could win. I don't know. And we've gone through, you know, for for uh, for example, you know, one of the things that no one is talking about, but if the Republicans try to cut spending, that could lose them the election next year. Even though it's the right thing to do, our question is, is the American public that claims they are for balancing the budget actually for balancing the budget if they lose benefits? Well, these are the the things that we have talked about over you know the past few years. Uh, we got to the uh, the expanded child tax credit, uh, and it was paid monthly for six months. It ended, but there was no screaming because people looked at it and said, "Okay, look." Uh, you know, we we can see what it's going to do or is doing to inflation. And this isn't a good thing. We know we can't keep spending that way. But then it got to the point of, okay, then inflation started really picking up. And it was like, uh, yeah, actually, what we were saying before about not wanting money, we want money. We, we want it back. And so I was thinking about this yesterday when the story from the New York Post hit about the food stamps. And how they believe the expanded food stamp program is, they believe you can measure 15% of the inflation. By the way, it's not 15% inflation, 15% of, of the, inflation. the inflation that happened, right. to be clear, uh, is they, they believe they can point right to the expanded food stamp program. Well, which, of course, you know, you're, you know, it's. You're, you're peeing in the wind at that point. And, but politically, you're not because what are you doing? You're setting up the, hey, man, we need help. We're drowning. And that has been in play since, I don't know, how long was it after they stopped the child, the expanded child tax credit? It was only about six months yeah, or so. I, yeah, because I, I was thinking it would have been. September when they wished to cut it out a couple of years ago, and by March of the next year, that was what I had in my head. So right? Yeah, yeah. About, so, about yeah. six months where we yeah. said, "Well, look at this change." Now people want yeah. the child tax credit. We go, "Okay, inflation is hitting them," and so we want to balance the budget. We all want to not have our kids and grandkids pay off the debt for what we want today until we need it, and then it's like, "Okay, we needed what we need now." And uh, best well, and- be, be, best of luck, kids. But the point I want to get to before we get to all these uh, other other things is mm-hmm. is when you look at it because I don't I don't want to get off this particular point on Trump. And when I saw the picture of Trump, and it's very understandable why why you have so many people loyal to Trump. We have things that have never happened before in political history. Anybody who voted for Trump initially, knows what happened in that three-year span where the entire Democratic Party lied about Trump colluding with the Russians to hack the election. Not only did they lie, but it was the Democratic Party 
that created it all. And what they saw was a Justice Department, an FBI, uh, not do their job and not only do their job, but become some of the biggest rot that we've ever seen in federal law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the two-tier system of justice when it comes to the Mar-a-Lago classified uh, document thing, which still is the thing that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, many times Trump doesn't help himself, but still that's beyond it. It's like, what has been the protocol for prosecution of those things? Well, the federal government doesn't do it. Well, with Donald Trump, they are. And then everything else from Bragg to January 6th to Georgia, all of it is bogus. Yeah. All of it is punishing all of it. And so the American public looks at it. And one of the things that we said a long time ago, one of the reasons that the the whole thing with the Trump colluding with the Russians that was all made up by the Hillary campaign. It was paid and financed for by the Hillary campaign, and there was no accountability really for that at all except Kevin Kleinsmith, uh, who uh, got a slap on the wrist for lying on a FISA warrant. But what we have seen and then we, what we have seen all along and then with Hunter Biden and everything in the Department of Justice, Donald Trump is the symbol Right now, he is the symbol, and that's why that this is what I got out of that picture last night. He is the symbol to so many Republicans of the person who has been uh, butchered by the rot in our government today, by the absolute filthy rot in our government today, and they look at him, not that they, you, you know, you... They said, issue-wise, there really isn't much of a difference. There isn't a huge difference between Ramaswamy and Trump. I mean, experience-wise, you know, now that Trump is, was president for four years, yes, and Trump was older when he ran for, for president, but there's not much difference on the issues between any of the Republicans up there. There isn't a huge, they basically all agree on 90, 95% of the issues out there. But the symbolism and the impact of the symbolism of Trump, and you saw it in his face, and that's why I believe that's going to have, as ben, our friend Ben Shapiro says, that's going to have stain power because he is not only the symbol, he is the symbol with a lot of substance behind it of the fight against rot in the federal government like we have never seen before in modern American political history. Yep. Nothing has come close to it. That's tough for any of the other candidates to beat. And the feeling itself, there is no immorality in the feeling of the people that think that way, and that's why they support uh, right. uh, uh, Trump there. Now, on top of that, you do have the issue of that's how Republicans feel. Well, what about independents? You know, will independents vote for Trump next year? There is a reality of that. But it doesn't discount in any way those Republicans who say, yeah, but this is the reality of what's going on here. And, yeah, did Trump always act, you know, right? No. Can he be his own worst enemy? Absolutely. But we've got a bunch of idiots up there on, on politicians that we've all covered over the last 40 years, none of them have had, ever had to go through 
the rot, the filthy rot and corruption of the federal government like Trump. That hasn't happened, in, I don't think, in American well, history. Well, because here's the thing. This is not just imagery from a mugshot, which as, and, and here's the uh, actual uh, tweet, to quote the tweet from uh, our friend Ben Shapiro a few hours ago. He's the most photographed person on earth. The mugshot was completely unnecessary and vindictive, of course, but it's going to backfire dramatically since this image is instantly iconic. It's instantly iconic for not just who Trump is. It's iconic because of what that image represents. There has not been, up until a few hours ago, any one image that represents a the the, the, the dual justice system and the fury and of the, the people and the the fury of the people and the war between an entire group of agencies now and Donald Trump when it comes to the rot there's where you can actually quantify it and we've been asking I've been saying this week I don't know what if any of the candidates that were on the stage the other night are going to be the, the nominee, they're going to have to convert all of Trump's people to get there. Most of Trump's people to get there. I don't know what that looks like. After this photo, after this, because this is this is the tangible item that shows you the injustice of what's going on right now, because... I think the uh, former president made some uh, comments to the media. You know, it's it's uncomfortable to be in this situation, basically. Look, you can you can say, well, he's playing the victim. He is the victim. This, you and I have covered for, you know, well, more than 18 years now together. Uh, and, and you going back to the early 1840s and... <laughs> <laughs> Covering American politics. Sometimes it feels like we've both been on the air that long. But covering American politics you, you during election cycles, we get back to things that kind of repeat. And one of the things that you and I have talked about over the years, and it's an interesting topic, the one-issue voter. If this, if you're a, a, a solid Trump supporter and you're part of his base right now, and this is your issue, you're not wrong. The rot inside the Justice Department and the fact that it has to be weeded out and you're willing to forgive everything else. Does, as you mentioned, it's not going to make it doesn't well, turn you into an immoral person. No. And, and, and the and the reason it doesn't is because it's beyond an issue. This goes right to the Constitution of the United States, which makes it really it, a court it, you know, issue. Yeah, if you well, think about well, it, yeah. uh, you know, a Fourteenth uh, uh, Amendment, mm-hmm. equal protection under the law. Right. You know, when people look at it and say, "Is the government and, and going after Trump the way that they have with these charges?" I mean, you we have become, in essence, a Democratic Party has temporarily made this country basically a banana republic, right? Where the people in power go after the opposition. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, candidate for for things that they never have prosecuted a president for 
And that would be the Mar-a-Lago stuff. If you compare it to Hillary and you compare it to, you know, Biden and, and what what uh, he has done. Now, Trump, again, you know, opening his mouth has become vulnerable in those in those particular areas there. And why he did what he did, is, I, I don't know. But Hillary did a heck of a lot worse. But that's the one. All the rest of the charges against him are bogus. Yeah. Everyone sure. is bogus. Everyone is only political and doesn't follow the law. I mean, yep. using the RICO Act as we broke it down uh, last week, I believe that was, is just the most reprehensible thing I can imagine and that's what Americans are looking at it and saying, my God, the power of government is coming after us because of our politics and coming after us. Yeah. Not just Trump. No, I mean, they're if, coming if, after parents. If, 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 no, no. But I mean, if they're coming after Trump like this, they're coming after you. No, but that's a great point because yeah, they're, they're coming after are. Trump. And then you can say there's FBI agents saying we're not going to sit in parking lots and take down license plate numbers. Right of parents of goodwill that wish to protect their children right. from a school board that wants to teach that all whites are racist or right. a biological right. uh, man can be a biological woman right. and women should get used to male genitalia in the locker room and women shouldn't play sports anymore because guys get to determine and define what a woman is. These are all issues. It's like, okay, they're against it. Send the FBI after them. And and so you look at all of this, it's like when they went after Trump, they're going after citizens, they're going after our party. And if they go after Trump, any of those other candidates sitting on that stage are now vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, which everyone. Means, which means regardless of who the nominee is, the party is going to have to be united in weeding out the rot. That has to be one of the core issues. And the American people need to give them that mandate. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, one of the first things I thought of when I saw the, because I didn't see anything until I woke up, mm-hmm. you know, because everything yeah. happened after I went to sleep. But right. I woke up and I, uh, I saw the, uh, the, uh, First off, my first thought was when I saw the Trump uh, mugshot, I went, that could be an album cover. No, it totally, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, absolutely <laughs> an album be, cover. And, and then, it, there will be posters of that right. shot. And then the next thing I thought of is, 100 years from now, people will be looking at that picture when the history of all of this is oh, yeah. is, is is finally uh, comes forth and yep. concludes. Yep. This will be a huge story in the history books. It will. And that picture will be a part of it. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. We've made it to a Friday. Oh, what a week it's been. Uh, The uh, information that U.S. intelligence officials are saying that it was not a surface-to-air missile because they can identify that. As we said yesterday Mm -hmm. on yesterday's show, they would know they have the infrared sensors that can detect heat from missile launches. Yep. And they didn't detect any of that. And so now the intelligence sources uh, are, some believe early on that it was probably a uh, a bomb yeah and right. and so um you know it's you uh you think about you know because the wagner group i mean the soldiers are still there and there's still a ton of you know as, what do you want to call it management or generals whatever of that mer, you know mercenary army Prigozhin was the head of it but they still exist and have influence and does this mean is could this possibly be a start of some kind of civil war? You know, will that happen? Will there be will there be attacks uh, uh, on it? You and I said yesterday that you know you look at an airplane accident and you see that you know most airplane accidents, if a plane has technical problems, you know, still is in a way, you know, heading in a they may be coming down vertically, of course they are, mm-hmm. but they'll still be in a horizontal, you know, some type of angle. This thing coming straight down. It just fell flat. Yeah, and and it was at an altitude where you normally don't stall. Right. It's not like you're landing and, you know, your airspeed comes down and you stall and you don't put the nose down. You put the nose up like in the uh, airplane crash outside of Buffalo a few years ago right near my dad's house and right near the, our restaurant two blocks from the restaurant that we go to and a short two blocks. And I there mean, was too much smoke at altitude. Whether yeah, that, yeah, whether there, that yes, was, and, right. and they couldn't figure out, uh, witnesses were trying to figure out or, or anybody analyzing the video, they were trying to figure out where the smoke was coming from because smoking. there was yes. two trails that was, that was, and it likely could be a trail from, if it was a bomb, the tra- the smoke trail from the bomb itself. And then any other damaged, like a damaged engine would also leave uh, a trail once it uh, fuel fire once damage. it goes yeah yeah so uh, and so you looked at it and you said yeah and believe me uh, the opposition to Putin you know I guarantee they believe it was an assassination you made an interesting point here during the top of the hour break you said the statement from Putin sounded like he was a godfather it w- it <laughs> sounded like Don Corleone yeah you know? 
on this day that we mark the death of Prigozhin. We want to send our condolences. Hey, he made some mistakes. Dude, are you, is this an admission? I mean, are you just, uh, listen, we had to do it. Everybody knows we had to do it. I also want to insert something, too. Got a couple of uh, messages. Uh, well, you know, the Wagner Group, they're not, we we were never making the point that the Wagner Group is the good guys, ever. In fact, we covered it during the almost uprising with the Wagner Group. They're a mercenary group. It's not, nobody is mourning the death of Prigozhin or, or uh, you know, aside from his family, or I'm talking about internationally and, and who our enemies are. This is, we, we weren't, we never tried to make the case. And if you were getting that in the conversation, quite frankly, you weren't listening close. Yeah, you were, because uh, we never came close to, to stating it. We talked about the problem in inside. You know, you've got, you know, we didn't say it specifically yesterday, but our belief is there's, there are two bad actors there. Putin and the Wagner, you know, uh, paramilitary group and, and Prigozhin. And we're just talking about how it will affect. Well, and how it could have gone if there was, you know, I think I made the comment somewhere along the way, uh, something to the effect of if there was one person who had the means and resources to take him out, it was probably Prigozhin. Yeah. And now that's over. Well, we said we said yesterday, I you know, that it was well, this wasn't a coup. It was just to replace the defense, uh, you know, the defense ministers because mm-hmm. the war wasn't going as it, well, if you get rid of the defense ministers, you want to get rid of Putin. You're you're on it's your way like, to yeah right. to, to and, the Kremlin. And, yeah, and so that was ridiculous. In fact, just so you know how bad we believe Prigozhin is, there's only one person worse than him on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Trump. Yes, yeah. you, you knew where I was going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. <laughs> Some Democrat has to say well, that here in the well, next couple I'm, of days. Don't be surprised say, if they do. I'm waiting for them to say, well, now with Prigozhin out of the way, Trump can be Putin's right-hand man. It's exactly, I'm sure they're going to. Maybe somebody's already said it. But, you know, um, this is this is the, you know, but but that's the that was the landscape that is the situation between uh, with Russia and Ukraine and also with Russia and the rest of the world right now. I mean, even if they had never... Uh, invaded Ukraine, then Russia would still be a concern. That's more clearly more immediate now. But I don't know what, you know, yesterday I thought to myself, well, actually the day that uh, Prigozhin's plane went down, day before yesterday, I was was thinking, okay, internationally, there's likely not going to be, look, they may, there may be some kind of uh, official move to say, all right, this is we we deem this a war crime. The combined intelligence agencies of these nations have determined that this is blah, 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 blah. And it's a war crime. I don't know if they're ever even going to do that. But aside from that, they're likely not to intervene based on this event alone. I dare say that if they were going to do something, then they would do it. You made the point, and I think you're right. I think if there is something that's going to be done internally, could it be done right now? And could that be done with the support of foreign intel? And I mean intel outside of Russia, 
from nations like the U.S. or Britain or any of them that may have an interest in giving them some assistance. I don't know. I have zero idea on that, and only time will tell. But for Putin, he believed this was his way to say to everyone, yeah, there will be no successful uprisings, Mm -hmm. and anyone who attempts it will not survive. Which means that's a worry. Yep. For That's a worry for him. Yes. And so... Which uh, I think it he, had, probably and, has been, and, but yeah. Right. But it's more... I think know, it and, is more immediate. Yeah, you're right. right. It's right. more immediate right. now because now it's, all right, I could... What is it? Keep your uh, enemies, you know, your, your friends close and your enemies closer. So mm-hmm. if Prigozhin was an internal enemy frenemy and he kept him close who are those internal who might be there internally that you're not thinking about yeah we would just suggest your some red eye radio advice to any of uh the senior officers still left in the wagner paramilitary group stay away from toll booths well i would just go as far as to change your linkedin page <laughs> you might want to say former formerly with yeah. Wagner. Yeah. And group. so and, and it's, you know, getting inside of Putin's head, yeah. you know, and, and what's inside of Putin's head might not be the actual reality. I mean, that's one of the tough things is U.S. intelligence. And, you know, you uh, you know, what do they know? Are they do they have a good read on what's going on inside of the government? We talked about from the beginning, especially when things started bogging down for the Russians in Ukraine. And still right now, I saw the other day that was estimated 60,000. Think about that. That's more than died in Vietnam. Yeah. That 60,000 Russians have died uh, and over 200,000 have been injured. That means that probably just like when you have, you know, when when we had uh, uh, 50,000 plus soldiers die, almost everyone knew somebody of somebody who was killed in Vietnam. Yeah. You start getting up to those numbers and that's what you you know, and that's what you get, and you get up to sixty thousand in one year, and then two hundred thousand that have been injured. Then everybody knows somebody, and then it becomes more personal. And then public opinion doesn't, you know, doesn't go your way when it keeps lasting and lasting and lasting. Now, what effect that will have on Putin? I don't know. I don't believe it's had an effect yet on him, public opinion. But you see, for example. Here in the United States, and you go to the debate yesterday, you go to, you know, Ramaswamy or, you know, DeSantis or whatever. Uh, and DeSantis, I know when he talked about his, you know, the whole territorial thing, you know, he, I think he um, uh, evolved, uh, evolved on that. But anybody who has paid attention to history knows we have to continually, even if it's um, in a covert way, mm-hmm. you have to challenge Russia consistently. Russia was communist. They attempted to become uh, more of a capitalist democratic society. Putin has taken over, and they are much more even of a dictatorship than a communist one-party nation uh, uh, right now. And so that makes that makes them. It would make them. If I'm president of the United States, I'm paying close attention. Yeah. Now yeah. the problem that we're having is, I think most people do understand that. Putin is a danger, but they see what Biden is doing. They know the American public knows 
when it comes to uh, a, a lot of things, Biden will lie completely. And and they the American public knows on Afghanistan he lied. To the, he lied about what the what what the generals told him. Yep. And the American public knows it. That's why that was the biggest dip in his approval ratings. Is everybody knows that he lied. And he lied in a situation that got American soldiers killed. And so there's that. There's the remembrance of Vietnam. There's, uh, you know, when I say Afghanistan, it's the American public that puts a time limit on everything. Yeah. The American yeah. public puts a time limit on, yeah. oh, okay, that's enough. Yeah, but the job isn't done. No, but it's it's enough because we're America and uh, we should only be in wars for this particular. I mean, the narrative is, uh, uh, the narrative on war in this country, you want to talk about things being based on ignorance. You know, we talked about the economic ignorance uh, in our country, the the military ig- ignorance or the foreign foreign policy ignorance of Americans even supersedes that. Because Americans come, many Americans, not all, many Americans come to a narrative that we, we're the United States, we've got a strong military, we go in for a year, we should be out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now. But this is a case where, I mean, it's publicly, it, it's you see it everywhere, that is the United States only providing Ukraine enough weapons to and, and enough support to just keep the war going as a stalemate year after year after year after mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing the American public wants. Now, the American public also doesn't want for us to provide Ukraine with so many weapons where uh, Russia would use a tactical nuke. Mm-hmm. And this is where it comes to negotiating, especially one-to-one, whether you talk about uh, Reagan with Gorbachev or whatever, laying down the lines on you know on uh, intercontinental uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles or whatever, and that conversation you know that happened. I think it was in Iceland one time was pretty dramatic because you know uh, Reagan laid down the law. We, we cannot spend you. Yeah, right. We cannot spend you. We you know we can we can come down on you on this uh, if we wish to. Our economy is much bigger. We can do it. But Biden can't negotiate anything. Nobody's fearful of Biden. Well, the, nobody's fearful of him in terms of any of our enemies. Uh, let, me, no, let me put it this way. No foreign leader respects him. I won't say fear him. Well, respects him, which sure, is, could yeah, be the same so thing. For, yeah, for our enemies, it would be fear. And for our any of our allies, it's going to be looking to the U.S., as they most often do, for guidance and leadership. They don't do that right now in either direction. And with his situation and and Hunter's situation in Ukraine, uh, tell me, say out loud that you trust him to do the right thing. If you say that and you mean it, you're delusional. That's a great point. And I there's no there is no in between there. Sorry, there's no in between. No, but you've created that doubt if, you know, is he in Ukraine to cover himself oh, and Hunter? that is or, all or over is, social media. Or, yeah. is, or is he in Ukraine right. to blunt yeah. Putin? Well, and, block Putin, right? and are they looking for an excuse now after Prigozhin, right? 
up the ante and try and, you know, this is a, a, a whole new version of wagging the dog. This is wagging the hunter. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. I thought it was interesting how every different media, you know, analyzing who won mm, the debate yeah, last yeah, right. night. Yeah. And as we said, you know, we, our, the only thing that I said was, well, Ramaswamy won, but what's the definition of winning? Because my definition of him winning was people now know who he is. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they will agree with him necessarily, but they will know who he is. They'll want to know who he was, is because he was quite an, animated. Uh, he's young. And he went toe-to-toe back and forth, uh, you know, with uh, with a number of the other uh, candidates. Mm-hmm. And he's an unknown. Right. And and so, uh, but I, I just, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you know, you had everything from, oh, DeSantis clearly won. To I saw that yesterday. Yeah, to yeah. Ramaswamy won that. That actually Nikki Haley because yeah. she talked about you've got to get Democrats to define where they actually stand on abortion, and she's the one that said the Republican Party is also to blame yeah. for the yeah. increase in the debt. Right, and you know, and we and she went after she went after Trump and said Trump. She said Trump. She didn't say Republican. She said Trump. Uh, increased the the debt by eight trillion dollars, and when she said that, I was waiting for booing. There wasn't any booing at all, none. And at the end, all you heard was clapping and approval for what she said. Right. And so, um, what will I look? I winning here. It's like I said. It's uh, almost like a, a minor league baseball game. Yeah, they won. Who cares? Well, it's <laughs> it's actually like you know who won the draft. Well, it's not – nobody wins the draft. You may have gotten a sweet deal, but nobody actually wins. You know, this is it, – it gets back to – we'll get to Super Tuesday. Then we'll get to the convention. You know who, who will win? The person announced as the nominee at the convention. That's who won. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara reading here from uh, Turley, Jonathan uh, Turley. He put this out yesterday, why the House has no alternative to an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. And he talks about the fact that, you know, he's the last one to call for impeachments. Right. Remember, he's a Democrat. Right. And so the fact that he's calling for it. And we said this, what, last week or the week before? It's time for a, after he appointed Weiss as a special counsel, we said it's time for an impeachment uh, inquiry. And, you know, Turley lays out everything that we've laid out about the rot inside of the Department of Justice and uh, and uh, and Merrick Garland. Um, and Turley talks about it. He goes, even some liberal pundits are mystified by the moves that Garland has made. And why Garland would not simply appoint someone in compliance with the regulations who could guarantee a new and full investigation. Mm. You know, why did he go back to Weiss again? Mm-hmm. So now Weiss is investigating crimes that continue to dwindle in number due to the long delays in prosecution. As Turley writes here, it's like waiting for a winter to go goose hunting in Canada long after the geese have flown south. Everyone just gets dressed up and fires aimlessly into an empty sky. Um, as he writes here, now, now, and now, however, Congress will have a more difficult time getting answers out of Weiss because he can claim he is engaged in an ongoing special and counsel investigation and he can use the eventual special counsel report as much to defend his own actions as to detail any potential crimes. At the same time, the Biden administration still is resisting the sharing of information with the House, including records held by the National Archives for months. This is Jonathan Turley now. I have discussed a potential impeachment of the president with Republican House members and have encouraged them not to repeat the abuses of House Democrats in their use of a snap impeachment or snap impeachments and the discarding of fact hearings in the House Judiciary Committee. Garland, however, has effectively forced their hands. While Garland seems incapable of imagining any crime involving the president, he has made a conclusive, if unattended, case for an impeachment inquiry with the investigative impediments created by the Weiss appointment and by Garland's refusal to uh, expressly extend the special counsel's mandate into the allegations of the Biden family influence peddling, there is little choice but to commence an impeachment inquiry. The authority of the House is at its apex when carrying out its duties under the impeachment clause of the Constitution. It's something that you and I brought up before. Whatever interest or ability remains to prosecute Hunter Biden, Congress has a separate duty to confirm any high crimes and misdemeanors committed by President Biden. Indeed, the Democrats themselves established precedent for carrying out retroactive impeachments for prior offices, including any of which have occurred when Biden was vice president. With the current state of the Hunter Biden investigation and the baffling conduct, it's not baffling, uh, of the Attorney General Garland, there is no alternative for the House but to launch an impeachment inquiry. That comes from a Democrat. Wow. And one 
who is so careful over the last couple of years of stating, you know, when impeachment inquiries or the start of impeachment should be used. But the impeachment inquiry, you're doing it because judges will look at it and say, all right, this is part of their constitutional duty. And the other part that Turley hints here is the impeachment inquiry. They're not impeaching Hunter. Right. They're going after a different person, Mm -hmm. which means that Garland basically set up the the uh, the path down to impeachment inquiry by stating we're doing a special counsel for Hunter. Yeah, but we're not looking into any allegations of the president. Right. If he had said we're going to look into allegations of the president and possible influence peddling. That might even make it tougher for the House, but they can't go in that direction. So the House and impeachment inquiry will be looking directly into the president. And so anything that comes from Hunter is not going to damage Hunter with the House because the House is looking only at, and and even though they may have been in the same business together, (laughs) uh, he's separate. They're two separate people. They're two separate individuals. The impeachment inquiry is not against Hunter. It is against Joe Biden, and the courts would look favorably, and that's why Turley is saying they're doing it, on forcing the Department of Justice to turn over the things that they want and probably uh, be able to uh, get and release the SARS reports. Well, I mean, we are at this stage now because Merrick Garland forced the hand, as you mentioned, if not for that move on the on the special prosecutor, because the, the idea is to close everything down. Sorry, you don't get access. Right. Well, during an impeachment inquiries, we do. Right. And you're only going after Hunter. We're going after a completely different human being. Yep. Doesn't matter whether Spend they're father the and son. Spend all the time you want with Hunter. Right. Doesn't matter whether they're father and son. Go do what you want on Hunter. Well, We're gonna... because it, it actually accelerates the process if you think about it. Because there could have been this, you know, kind of wading through the swamp. <laughs> really is almost literally wading through the swamp approach of trying to get everything and then just slow rolling it, just like the DOJ was already doing. But with the special prosecutor, you get Hunter out of the way, and now there is. All the focus on Capitol Hill is exactly where it should be. Well, and the House is exactly where it should be. And that is on the president because it was never about Hunter. You've accelerated it. You've given justification to the House GOP to move. And there's, I don't know. I have to say this because the GOP is disappointed in the past. <laughs> I don't, but I don't know how you don't move on this. Remember when Nancy announced, well, there's going to be, we're going to look into it. We're going, and we said, whoa, 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 Nancy. The far left isn't going to let you just look into it. When you, she opened that door, because she had been saying yeah. for months leading up to the whole uh, CIA operative going to uh, uh, the officer going to Adam Schiff's office for impeachment one for impeachment one. She had been saying no impeachment, no impeachment, no impeachment. 
And then she opened the door and we said, well, you can't just open the door. The far left isn't going to get you uh, let you get away with that. You're going to have to walk through this entire process. The GOP is actually at a point now where the DOJ has forced their hand. There's no way you can't do this now, because if you do, you're telling your entire base and all of America that you really didn't care about this being about Biden. So this is this is the only thing left to do officially, because it's the only process that is going to allow you access to the truth. The impeachment inquiry basically gives you discovery, does it yep, not? It does. Absolutely. That's, that, that's what it gets you. You don't have to, you don't need to go to the impeachment trial. Nope, you, don't, nope. you, know, you don't even get to the point of a vote nope. or anything. Nope. You could sit there and just say, okay, here are these people. Here's, yep. you know, here they are, here they're Absolutely. testifying. Absolutely. The American public sees it. The public pressure is so strong. Biden has to resign. Yep. That's what I think they would probably, they would probably prefer that rather than an impeachment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've noticed that this entire week, as the Republicans have been moving forward and a lot of news has been coming out, you have heard absolute silence from Jamie Raskin. Right. And uh, Goldman. Goldman, yeah. You haven't heard anything? No. And we've gotten to the point where they've been backed into a corner and there's nowhere to go. Right, How do you right. defend the president? Yeah. You know, we, we thought, you know, the final thing was, well, the president, there is no evidence that an account with money went directly to him. Mm-hmm. And Republicans responded, well, yeah, well, Hunter covers that uh, right here. And and I think it was Hunter and was it Devin Archer or whatever or mm-hmm. Swearing? I can't remember. Swearing it was. It would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that talked about the fact that we cannot directly involve the president in this. So they've already covered the fact that they had to hide it, that there wouldn't be a direct, you know, uh, uh, an account with money going directly to the president. Then Hunter talks about that by, you know, the, the fact of, you know, uh, that he's been supporting his father, you know, for 11 years and then the 10 percent and everything else that's come out. But the other thing is being able to release the actual flow of the money through the SARS documents where you have it all set up in basically a flow chart going to all members. And that's the question of not nine different members of the Biden family. And that's the question because the Democrats now were on that just for a little bit. They had not on it this week, big time that Hunter is the corrupt one just taking advantage of poor old Joe because poor old Joe loves his son so much. And it's a love story. That's right. It's Ryan O'Neill. Love is and, love. And Ali McGraw. Corruption is love. Love story. Love is love. Uh, corruption is love. Corruption <laughs> Corruption is love. It's all love. <laughs> I like that. Influence peddling is love. It's love. <laughs> and, and as you said, because you were the first one to say it, and you said, so they're saying that Hunter's corrupt and was just using Joe because he's the one that got the money. Yeah, but the money went to nine other Biden family members and it went through fake corporations that were set up. Yeah. So it means that everybody is is are Democrats now backed into a corner 
Are Democrats next week going to come on and say, this entire Biden family is corrupt <laughs> except Joe? Right. They all used the illusion of influence mm-hmm. to basically manipulate and use a man who just loved all of them. That's the right. illusion of influence is basically just love of a man for his son, his siblings, and his grandkids. And the world, he loves he even loves the GOP. Listen, let's let's be clear. He's a very loving man. <laughs> Sometimes he loves when it's inappropriate. Yeah. But these are the problems. <laughs> he loves the smell of hair, apparently. But these are the problems that the Democrats have, and I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing Newsom again. You know how he kind of got out there in the spotlight for a little while? Yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to see that because, well, a week from this morning, we'll be beginning September. The House is going to be, you know, coming back. After Labor Day, yeah. And I, I expect that, and and they've talked about it. I, You and I have talked about it. The timing of course, has to be. It's going to when they come back. That's going to be the question. Their base, the GOP's base, is going to be asking. All right, when do you start? When do you start? And then look toward the left and see if we start seeing Gavin Newsom a little bit more in the media. Then we'll know. Because because this would be there's the, only one way this goes. This would be that from what I've counted, this would be the third time. Yeah, he yeah. has basically jumped in. Right. So, and if you start seeing Gavin Newsom mid to late September in a lot more TV interviews, a lot more appearances on social media, more that could be a clue as to what the left is thinking. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the uh, show, uh, some uh, new studies uh, out there, surveys out there. Uh, Democrats are losing non-white male voters. We'll get uh-huh. to uh, that. And also, Carlos Santana in trouble. Well, I think it was very clear. The song was Black Magic Woman, not Black Magic Person. <laughs> I think we've known for a long time where he stood. He said what he said, actually, in a concert, didn't he? It was, it was, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what compelled him to address it on stage. It goes back to July, but apparently... A lot of liberals missed it, so the liberal media is making sure that those liberals hear it. They go back and, oh, did you, you guys forgot to get outraged. Oh, sorry. So they're bringing it back. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want. Well, Carlos Santana faced criticism on Thursday when a video of the musician came out from a concert in July where he said, quote, when God made you and me before we came out of the womb, you know who you are and what you are. Later on, when you grow up and you see things and you start believing that you could be something that sounds good, but you know it ain't right because a woman is a woman and a man is a man, that's it. Whatever you want to do in the closet, that's your business. I'm okay with that. He added before mentioning his closeness to his brother, Dave Chappelle. Of course, it came out yesterday and by the end of the day, and by the way, that's the true beliefs. He's a 76-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Those are his beliefs. He's been following the, I'm sure like everybody else, every celebrity has been following the radical transgender movement for years now, mm-hmm. and that's his belief. But the blue wave of intimidation made him apologize. He couldn't handle the criticism. Uh, Santana faced uh, on Thursday, uh, prompting him to release a statement where he said, I'm sorry for my insensitive comments. They don't reflect that I want to honor and respect all persons' ideals and beliefs. I realize that what I said hurt people, and that was not my intent. I sincerely apologize to the transgender community and everyone I offended. He went on to mention that his personal goal is to honor and respect all persons' ideals and beliefs, whether they are LGBTQ or not. This is a planet of free will, and we've all been given this gift. I will now pursue this goal to be happy and have fun, and for everyone to believe what they want and follow in your hearts without fear. It takes courage to grow and glow in that light, Uh, that uh, you are and to be true, genuine, and authentic. We grow and learn to shine our light with love and compliments. Love is love. Now, you notice (laughs) he never said what I said I don't believe. No. He never backed off on the comment and said what I said was not my beliefs. No. He said they don't reflect. They don't reflect that I want to honor and respect all persons' ideals and beliefs. Right. What he's saying is, you can live the way, if you read it, for what it is, the apology, and the first, the original comment, it's very clear. You can live the way you want to live. I'll love you regardless. I'll respect you regardless. But don't tell me that a man is a woman or a woman is a man. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. That's it. Because he didn't come back and say I was wrong. A man can be a woman. He didn't say that. The apology didn't say that. No, the apology did not say that. 
It's like I, 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 I'll treat everybody with love and respect, and that's I love what go, they say, and, I, and we'll all go live our life. I love when someone says, "I respect your beliefs." What does that mean? I won't tread on you. You don't tread on me. I guess. Okay. I I have my. Well, here's my question: Would a follow up be, "You should respect mine"? Yeah. Of course, the left can't have that because I I don't know what that means. I respect your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, your beliefs are your beliefs. I there's, I there is no. Uh, now I believe you have a right under the Constitution to say whatever you wish to say, mm-hmm. whether I respect. Respect your beliefs. I'm not going to say I respect your beliefs if your beliefs are anti-truth. Mm-hmm. I'll defend your right to say things that are untrue and ridiculous. If you want to be delu- delusional, you have a right to be delusional. Yeah, but I, I you don't earn my respect. Mm-hmm. I respect. I, I've never understood what that actually meant. Mm-hmm. So I... You can tell this is a perfect example. He realized he all of a sudden the storm hit, boom, and he had to. Uh, well, because liberals had to, you know, make sure that everybody knew, you know, he's a, a, all uh, the the Karen media, K and N, the Karen News Network had to make sure. Did you hear what he said in July? You weren't outraged. Here's what he said. <laughs> You know, this whole thing, because CNN keeps talking about in this article here, anti-transgender comments, anti-transgender. What does that mean? Right. If someone came up to me and said, you, you're anti-transgender comments. Mm-hmm. I've never given an anti-transgender comment. Well, it's the it's the weakness of the left, but also their only, if it is a superpower, their only superpower, it's the only thing they have. The only thing they can throw at you is, you're a bigot. It's Karen basically right. in her final but, moments losing the argument, throwing hatred at you, saying you're full of hatred. But when you break it down, anti-transgender means you're anti that person. Mm-hmm. I'm not anti that person. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, yeah, the, but, but I'm not. What I am is I'm anti-misogyny. That comes out of the transgender move, the radical transgender movement. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm against. Um, I'm against child mutilation. I'm, I'm against that, behavior and and ideas that I believe are detrimental to a society, right. which includes allowing children to be mutilated. Right. And and men to play women's sports, and women, biological women and girls. To have to deal with naked men in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. I'm not. A, if you're a transgender, it there's no. It's not anti or pro. No, you exist. You, I believe that many transgenders actually believe it, which is why medically it's called uh, a, a dysphoria, gender yeah. dysphoria. There's a term for it clinically. So I'm not anti or pro. You are what you are. What I am anti is I'm anti-misogyny of the radical transgender movement. I am anti-child mutilation 
that comes out of the radical uh, transgender movement. And I'm anti-sexual exposure laws against women and minor women. Yeah. That's what I'm against. But the left has to put it that you're anti-transgender because they can't actually tell the truth about where conservatives stand in here, which is not anti the person, because as we know, you and I know, there are transgenders that absolutely disagree with the radical transgender movement. Right. Caitlin is one of them Mm -hmm. who disagrees with it. So it's not anti-transgender. It's anti-misogyny. It's anti-women hating. Uh, It's anti-child mutilation. And it's anti-women being exposed and minor women being exposed to naked men. And not all transgenders believe that those things should be happening. So it's not anti-transgender because anti-transgender means that you are anti-anybody who has those thoughts. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And the group Gays Against Grooming agrees. This is something that when we talked about the board at the Charlotte Observer who basically said your daughter needs to get used to Male genitalia. That was years ago. Yeah. We'd get questions. Hey, we're, we're, we, wait, I can't find that on the Internet. Where is it? Where is it? Where? Actually, it's very easy to find. But now there's no question. We don't, we don't get that anymore at all. Because now they're to the point of, well, if you disagree with your daughter and how she wants to be treated, we believe you're a bad parent. In fact, that's abuse. We said that was coming, and we've reached that point. There is actual consideration for that kind of behavior officially. Imagine if they actually did that officially, if they moved on it. If you don't abide by your child's wishes for them to be altered and mutilated you are abusive and could lose your child and or go to jail. They talked about it in California. We would consider taking temporary custody of the child. Imagine if they acted on that. Imagine if officially, and we're not far from that. We're, We're going to see it in Chicago next summer at the DNC. That convention will be filled with this kind of language, they are coming for your children. And if you'd have said that 20 years ago on the radio, your conservative boss would have called you and said, uh, hey, uh, listen, you know, a little bit of hyperbole there last night. It's, it's okay. Understand things get a little 
heated every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, could you back off from that just yeah. a little bit, just a tad? Yeah, because that's over the top hyperbole. Not anymore. Everybody, nope. everybody knows nope. it. Everybody knows it. So, yeah. So I just uh, at times you have to break down. You know, like I said, when I, you and I were reading the CNN article, anti-transgender, anti-transgender. It's not anti-transgender. No. But no. you have to say that because you can't defend what the radical transgender movement is actually promoting. Because once you break it down to the misogyny, to the child abuse... And to the uh, the promotion of males exposing themselves to females and minor females, mm-hmm. you can't defend that, and you can't win that argument nope. in the arena of ideas in nope. the United States. Not for a second. And so you use a phrase that makes people tend to believe that you're against the person who is a transgender, which could not be further from the truth. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, let me just check to make sure that Alice Cooper has not apologized yet. No, apparently he hasn't because Alice Cooper also came out uh, and said uh, transgenderism has reached the point of absurdity where it endangers women and children. Um, He, uh, uh, let me see, Uh, he thinks the ideology has gone too far. Uh, he uh, suggested uh, that, uh, where is it here? Uh, I'm uh, I'm understanding that there are cases of transgender, but I'm afraid that it's also a fad. I'm afraid there's a lot of people claiming to be this just because they want to be that. I find it wrong uh, when you've got a six-year-old kid who has no idea, he just wants to play, and you're confusing him by telling him, yeah, you're a boy, but uh, you could be a girl if you want to be. He went on to warn that he thinks it's dangerous not only for young children, but for teenagers as well. I think that's so confusing to a kid. It's even confusing to a teenager. You're still trying to find your identity, yet uh, here's uh, this thing going on saying, yeah, but you can be anything you want. You can be a cat if you want. I mean, you can, and by the way, that's, as we know, that's also out there. You know, he says a cat, what do you want? I mean, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what people, you know, identifying as, as animals now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you have to ask the question, you know, and we, not only that, but we've talked about uh, the uh, transracial, mm-hmm. the whole Rachel Dolezal thing. Yeah. Well, if you sure. can, if you can do that, are you what you think you are would be the discussion, which again, if you wish to have that discussion, you are at that moment everything phobic because you can't even have the discussion right the discussion isn't even allowed questions aren't even allowed uh and so um uh, he um said the whole woke thing nobody can answer this question maybe you can who's making the rules is there a building somewhere in new york where people sit down every day and say okay we can't say mother now 
No, actually, the left says you can't use that word. Yeah, we have to birthing say, parent. Right, we have to say birthing person. Yeah, <laughs> get that out on the wire right now. <laughs> no, I mean that's exactly how it happens. Uh, who is this person that's making the rules? I don't get it. Uh, I'm not being old, old school about it. I'm being logical about it. Or remember Mother's Day. I don't think it was this year. I think it was last year. And the left leading up to Mother's Day. Well, we need to not have Mother's Day. It's wrong. Oh, yeah. So uh, so the person who identifies as Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's the and, and there's the thing. Um, one of his hit songs, Only Women Bleed. So does the left want him to change that song now? <laughs> Not only women? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is the insane, but, but, but he hits on the things we have hit on, I don't know how many times on the rule book thing. Who makes the rule book? How does that happen? The rules just start changing because one person says it because one person says we need to do this. And nobody says you're an idiot. You're a moron. You're delusional. Sit down or go go home and get some rest. Rest your brain. What, what I find is that the the movement looks for people that are weak that will give an opinion, and they know they can get to apologize. Uh But when you see, I mean, Dave Chappelle took the flag but held strong. I think they thought they could turn him back, and they couldn't. Once they they couldn't, they move on. Well, you know, that's the thing. Because they can't get a victory against him. If you're strong in your beliefs, you know, even they fear Riley Gaines now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they they were happy when they could intimidate Ivy League uh, women. Yep, yep. When they could intimidate them and and force them into silence, they were happy. Well, once they yeah. came, once they came out, they were they were going to take their shot and try to quiet them down. And when they couldn't, watch how they'll back off and, and or, they'll move or, to weaker. Or they or they ramp up in some cases at Texas Woman's University in um, here uh, about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes north of us. When Riley Gaines was there and some of the people showing up for that event, they shouted, we know where you live. Threats of violence. Yeah, they'll go to that. Yeah. You know, they they go to that. And then once they meet that, it, the problem is once they've met their foe and they realize the person isn't going to back down, eventually they have to go away. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, so I'm reading this, some of this new analysis here. Um, hang on here. What, I just want to get exactly where it, uh, what I was looking at. All here. right. Where the... Uh, the headline here, mm. Biden's approval among this demographic has plummeted. It was in town hall, but relates to a story also on CNN. 
mm. concerning non-white, because we talk a lot about Republicans and where Republicans are going. What about Democrats right now? What about the demographics for, for, uh, for, for Democrats? I mean, there was a story that we covered earlier this week, uh, you know, that was talking about the fact that, and the, the narrative from Republicans too, is that uh, uh, Trump can't win, uh, Trump cannot win independence. Well, specifically, who can't he win when they're talking about it? And they're saying women, suburban women still will not vote for Trump. That's what apparently what the demographic research shows for Biden concerning non-white male voters, a key voting block for Democrats. They are now souring on Joe Biden. These gentlemen aren't flocking to the GOP, but they could stay home if things begin begin to deteriorate. There's an overall frustration that both parties are woefully inaccurate in helping the American people. This sentiment allowed Trump to pull off one of the biggest political upsets in American history. The list of words offered to describe the president in a recent focus group via Politico was alarming. Uh, And this is from the article from Politico. There are troubling signs for President Joe Biden and the Democrats as a 2024 presidential and federal campaign cycle accelerates, particularly when it comes to men of color. Discouraged, pathetic, and pessimistic were some of the words offered by a focus group of men, all whom voted for Biden in 2020, when asked to fill the blank for the sentence, I feel blank about how things are going in the country. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of good words on this list said Terrence Woodbury, the chief executive officer and founding partner of Hit Strategies, a liberal-leaning public polling firm that facilitated the group. Woodbury's organization specializes in reaching marginalized voters who were key to Democrats sweeping both the presidency and both chambers of Congress following the 2020 election. This group of disillusioned Biden voters surveyed during a two-hour session uh, conducted virtually last week, discussed a range of topics from voting rights to the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine to border security uh, and the legal challenges facing former President Donald Trump. Not inflation again. Isn't anybody using inflation as a right. uh, as a uh, as, as a benchmark of what's going on in this country? Mm. Republicans, you know, Fox didn't ask the, a question on inflation yesterday. Can you believe that? How out of touch can you be? How inside the bubble do you have to be, even at Fox News, to not have a a uh, a significant portion of the debate focused only on inflation and the economy? How, yeah, and the inflation and the economy, but it leads and with how inflation. to solve the problem? Yeah, it le- exactly. It leads it with inflation because that's been the number one problem. You take all the surveys, the number one problem overall. Yeah. American seat has been inflation. But uh, it goes, uh, chief among the concerns, though, when they brought up all those things that the focus group brought up, the economy. These are Democrats. Uh, mm-hmm. Our economy is the lowest it's been in God knows how long, said a Hispanic, a Hispanic respondent who lives in New Jersey. We keep spending money to Ukraine and other countries rather than helping ourselves. I think... Those are plenty for me. We don't know what's going to happen, said another respondent who identifies as Asian American. They're kind of like saying that there's possibly going to be a soft landing 
but they're also expecting a recession of some sorts. At one point, the group was asked whether Republicans or Democrats were better at handling the economy, uh, crime, and migrants at the border. They gave Democrats a failing grade across the board. On the issue of crime, it was split evenly among those who favored Republicans and those who said neither party handled the issue uh, as well. I don't feel like Democrats have my back or Republicans, you know, said one respondent from Los Angeles who identifies as black and Latino. I think as a president, you only have so much power. I mean, unless you're someone like Trump to where he just he really just didn't care. He did what he wanted to do. Boy, this is somebody who is not paying attention to what Biden is doing. Yeah, right. Uh, The respondent spoke highly of the Trump era economy. Uh, he said he considers himself middle of the road politically and talked about why he has soured on Biden. One of the respondents, a black man who lives in Cleveland, expressed disdain for Trump and described the Republican Party as rich, elitist and self-serving. I don't think it makes any difference. The economy seems uh, to be fried no matter who's in office, he said. Uh, he was also uh, said he was frustrated by Congress. The ability to pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act aimed at rooting out racial bias and curbing the use of force by law enforcement. And while the Cleveland man said it's a given he won't be voting for Trump or any other Republican candidate at this point, he doesn't know if he'll be casting his vote for Biden. Hmm. There you go. Just some of the problem that they are. Yeah. Um, You know. But I sense by some of the responses Ignorance as to what's going on day to day with the Biden administration in some of those. Well, yeah, we the problem that you and I have with respondents, not as individuals and on a personal level, but we're not anti respondents. I might be if I met some of them. (laughs) So let's just make sure that doesn't happen. So what we'll say is the process, we believe, should start with a pre-qualification, starting with, please name the three branches of of government. government, Right. (laughs) If you can do that, then you can be part of our survey. Right. Now, we would have more questions beyond that, because I think if you're going to get to the heart of it, you know, you hit on something. How many are ignorant to everything that's going on with Biden? How many are not paying attention and they answer a phone? By the way, who answers a phone? (laughs) What kind of person? I don't ever, ever answer my phone if I don't know the person calling. Okay, this wasn't a phone service. Oh, it wasn't a phone service. This was virtual. Okay, virtual service. This is is focus groups. Yeah. Oh, well, that's even worse. Sorry, yeah. I just made and that up. As you I ever seen along. some of the Frank Luntz's, you know, the the the, the week well, be- well, no. the, the week before the presidential election? Wait a minute. I don't know. I don't you... know who to vote for, oh, Hillary no, 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 or Trump. No. You said that and it just, it it uh, it, it spawned a uh, a thought in my head. Frank Luntz, uh, what was it that he had some, like this over-the-top gushing for Nikki Haley I've never seen Nikki Haley so blah, blah, blah from the debate. And I thought, oh, come on. You know, stick to what you do. I mean, I understand he's going to opine every once in a while or make some and do some analysis himself. 
But, yeah. Uh, tell me what other people think. Tell me what the people who are going to vote in the GOP primary think. But no. Yeah, but he does have a point. What? The two things that she brought up about you've got to pin the Democrats down on what they want to do with abortion. because that And that's been a big issue this week. The left's coming out saying, we don't want abortion till birth. Well, that, well yeah, everyone which, votes which for Which wasn't that. my point. My well, point was, yeah, but, I don't care what Frank Luntz thinks oh, about it. I know, but they were, I think if, if that's what he's talking about, that and the, 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 uh, the debt and that Republicans need to be conservative. It's one of our complaints when it comes to being a fiscal conservative that we've seen that disappear from the Republican Party over the last decade. So, but I understand what you're saying. He's the pollster. Well, yeah, and, us... and and I don't expect the gushing also from him. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you right. want to come in and say these are points that hit, you know, boom, 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 and then go oh. go through it point by point. It's the gushing. Well, oh, this that's, was so incredible well, that's, and wonderful. That's, yeah. Okay. And, and that's and that's what you got. Okay. Do analysis, not gushing. Say, here's the points she made that were solid. And I expect to see some response on this and this and this, I'm going to do a survey on this, this, and this, and see what the people think. So we're anti-gushing. No, we're anti-Frank Luntz gushing because <laughs> he's horrible at it. I've seen him do it before, by the okay. way. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's um, and it, it wasn't even it's it's it. Frankly, based on what he does, it was like, well, wait a minute. I expect that from I don't know. Well, anybody else but Frank Luntz. Do the analysis. Here are the points she, she even if it's a short thread, do the solid points she made. Do the actual analysis. Here's where I think she hit, based on audience response, right. by applause, which is what we did. Here's the thing that you're not going to get from the Democrats. And... We're still not hearing it. Think of all the things on the table right now. Where is the rank-and-file Democrat? It should be louder than it's ever been right now. There should be a lot more backlash in their party than there is. And voter apathy is a, a real thing, and we'll see if that exists next November, and we won't be able to measure it. Between now and next November, really, in any here's, critical here's way. What, here's what I noticed, because we don't live in the bubble of today. I remember, and I, I, and I'm. It's anecdotal evidence, but I'm, I'm probably talking about twenty Facebook friends, and I know all these people. Some I've worked with before, you know, and and so they were more in news, and they were more always a little bit more liberal, mm-hmm. and others I just know as either acquaintances, I'm friend, I won't say best friends, but acquaintances with them, very friendly with them. And when Obama was president, they were as vocal as you could imagine. Yeah. Incredibly vocal. Yep. When Trump became president, sometimes they were vocal because I think Trump just threw them for a, threw, for, for a loop. But I think a lot of, you know, the things that he threw out, which, are we're populist, you know, we're, I think, even attractive to some Democrats out there early on. Now, during the Biden administration, when you would expect something, I'm not kidding. Every single one of these people, I looked at it a few times already to see what they were doing. Nothing. They don't bring up 
politics at all, ever. And they never defend the Democrats, ever. And a couple of times, a couple of my other friends have posted something which is more Republican conservative, and they would like it, which they didn't do before. And so you just wonder, and I would say about evenly split men and women on it. And even the women that were, I mean, just, they were, they were quadruple gaga over Obama. Yeah. You know, as if he was a deity that you think would have some stain power because any Trump, if if Trump said tomorrow, I am going, you know, look, I'm going to focus on, you know, what's going on, you know, right now with the court case. I can't run an effective campaign. There's some great candidates in the Republicans. I'm bowing out. Those Trump supporters would be backing the Republican Party in 2024 and being vocal about it. They would be vocal both ways, both positive or negative. But that's the interesting thing that when you talk about the rank and file, the average Democrat, where do they stand right now? That's really a complete mystery. Well, and, and you know, you look at where the left was in the last months of Obama's presidency. He didn't really do anything for us. And after his presidency, Bill Clinton had greater popularity after his presidency than Barack Obama did after his. And that's a cold, hard fact that that lasted for over 10 years. Yes, it went on for a long, long time. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, Biden's food stamp expansion linked to a 15% jump in grocery prices. Of the increase in grocery prices that we've had, it's 15% of that. Right. Not a 15% yeah. increase. 15% of, right. of the inflation of grocery prices. Of the inflation. Prices. Right. Yeah. So we'll get to uh, that. And Jim Jordan is probing if Fulton County DA coordinated with Donald Trump indictment with Jack Smith. That's mm. really interesting. Yeah, it is. Where that is going to go and a whole bunch more all coming up. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hi. We made it to Friday. 
We did, and and you know what? I I was just looking at it. His mugshot looks better than all of my mugshots. I was going through all of my mugshots, and not one of them looks as good. Now everybody's posting when? his mugshot is their profile pic. Well, you mean when you were charged with first degree creepiness? First degree, you know, you look first for, degree, you, blah blah blah. Those, his mugshots look looked creepy. First degree <laughs> hyperbole, which has never happened. <laughs> oh crap! I just did it again. Um, but yeah, I uh, I gotta get a better mugshot. I gotta. Well, he went on Twitter for the first time in years, so and, he and posted, posted that. it almost immediately. It was about as soon as he could have, or whoever is controlling that, which is now an abandoned Twitter account. But, I mean, he still has tens of millions, 83 million, whatever it is, followers on his Twitter account. It's the first thing on that Twitter, the first post on that Twitter account Mm -hmm. since January 8th of 2021. When he announced, when he said to those who are asking, I will not be attending the inauguration, that was his last Twitter post. And then Twitter took him off, and then they reinstated him. Elon Musk did. I don't remember when that was earlier this year, mm-hmm. and uh, so. But he or, or last it. year when he took over. Uh, was it last year that he did it? Was it? Yeah, I, I can't. It wasn't immediate when he turned when he took over. It wasn't immediate. It was a little bit. Yeah, a yeah. little bit of time. So, my question is: Did he violate his agreement with Truth Social? Uh, I guess they'll work that out. Well, no, because he was, well, he, I think if he posted something on Truth Social, wasn't it a number oh, of hours? Oh, he has to do it first on Truth on Social. On Truth Social, okay. and then a number of hours later. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's the uh, agreement. He could, right. he could do it. I yeah. mean, obviously, it has had its effect last night. CNN, you know, they were, you know, the panelists were concerned that, well, he, he's going to be, first off, the left was looking forward to the mugshot they doing were damage. They wanted the mugshot more than anything. Oh yeah, as sort of a trophy. Oh, yeah. And then to see when he when he posted it, it's his and, campaign poster yeah, now. It's going to be his camp. I said it could be an album cover. <laughs> I don't I don't know which band, but uh, when he when he did it and and po- posted, it was powerful to see. And we had we talked about this earlier, how he does resonate the rage that his supporters feel about not only a two-tier form of justice uh, in this country that they believe is happening, but the absolute filthy rot inside of government today. You so, know? And, and and so um, when you had CNN last night in a panel discussion wondering whether this was actually going to help him, that was what they were fearful of. So it was interesting to see the left go from pure joy to, uh-oh, no, will this backfire well, against us? So I'm going through all the liberal media sites, and let's just stop at msnbc.com. It's front and center at all the websites. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you during the break, so now what they're doing is they're they're using his campaign photo on all of their websites. But here's the, here's the, uh, uh, the, the, the headline at MSNBC. Trump's mugshot released after quick surrender and booking in Fulton County. Below it and below the photo, it says, there is now a mugshot of Trump. Take a moment with that. What? Take a moment with that? 
take a moment with that. Okay, Karen, I'll take a moment with that. Well, you know what I'm I'm thinking that it's <laughs> it'll be you know no, mid November of 2024. Yeah, it's like unbelievably the media is talking about Trump actually won this. Now we've gone back and we've realized that probably promoting him as we have had gave him. Five billion dollars in free campaign oh publicity, gosh. and then now including, they've got in, in, including, <laughs> in, including the mugshot, which was worth three billion dollars in free publicity. And we shouldn't have done that because he really had no money to spend in the campaign. Oh my! Because gosh. it was all going towards legal fees. You talk about a backfire. <laughs> this is this is as bad, or maybe even worse, for the left than the Hunter uh, plea bargain implosion. In court, this thing is just backfiring because here's the problem. What it does for his base, the photo, it's a it's a tangible, it is a photo, it is, he's literally become <laughs> the poster child for a two-tier justice system. And that works for him all day. So MSNBC, his support, all of his supporters on social media are taking more than just a moment with that. They're taking it and they're running with it. There's so many doctored photos. Oh my gosh, the Babylon Bee. Trump pays $12 extra to get the lasers. And so it's got lasers behind the photo <laughs> in the background. Of the, it's It was hilarious. And you know, there it's going to be everywhere because here's here's the conundrum for the liberal media. You have to post it. Now, I suspect we gotta watch this. You always come up with the will it be a story by Friday? Now, of course, it is Friday. This thing is literally blowing up overnight. So let's just say Saturday, right? Will the mugshot, where will the mugshot be? Let's not even go that far. By the end of the news day, by close of business, will the mugshot be on these liberal news sites? How soon will they start taking it down, realizing, oh, man, this is backfiring. He's taking this and wearing this as a badge of honor. It's solidifying his base once well, again, uh, you know, and I, we don't want to be a part of it. I, because you have to cover yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, by this past week, you, you know the Sunday morning news shows are going to be obsessed with it. Oh, they have but, to be. But I, but I do think that starting next week, there's going to be uh, an anticipation of, of an impeachment inquiry. Yeah. Because it will be yeah. the Republicans, uh, you know, when you have people like Jonathan Turley calling for it, we had said, I mean, I, I, we have sort of mirrored what Turley has said. We didn't want an impeachment to be rushed or an impeachment inquiry to be rushed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when it was time to go, it'd be time to go. I didn't expect this to happen because nobody expected that Merrick Garland would open up the door to the impeachment inquiry by saying, well, we're going to cover, we're going to have a special counsel for Hunter, but only Hunter, not for Joe. Well, then you yeah. just open it up where you can't, you can't sit there if they if they the Republicans say, well, we want information on Joe, well no, because an investigation is ongoing. Well, no, it's ongoing on Hunter. Right. You've stated it's not about Joe. 
So we want the stuff on Joan with the, the impeachment inquiry, which is a constitutional process. The courts will be much more likely to force the Department of Justice to hand over documents that they want. And so I think that realization, I wouldn't be surprised if that realization as the Republicans, you know, uh, next week, it'll be a week before the Republicans come back to start, Hmm. that that will be the question. You're not really going to see a lot of Trump stuff now. They got their mug shot. They're not sure. You could tell by CNN they're not sure if uh, if it's helping him or hurting him. <laughs> if they're not sure, they're not going to keep it up for too long. But I'm reading right here from uh, Newsbusters uh, during CNN's live coverage of Trump's motorcade to Fulton County and the uh, the uh, and the Georgia uh, uh, the Georgia jail for his arraignment. The fill-in anchor uh, Caitlin Collins and correspondent Sarah Murray fretted that Trump would use his new mugshot to his political advantage and fundraise off the photo to help his presidential campaign. Well, the thought process was there minutes after the mugshot came out. So the fact is, if they believe it will help him, uh, it I believe that they will take it off. And there's yeah, nothing... They're, they're, they- Absolutely right. there's will. there's nothing to discuss they they wanted the imagery but they won't discuss the actual charges right. the minutia of the charges yeah. that were filed in in Georgia because they know they they can't so i see them as being off it by next week and i don't know when trump will next be in the news except for if he tweets something but that's not going to be a major story they wanted the imagery of Trump, the criminal, and what they got was the message from his mugshot. And this was so easily recognizable. I really wonder, I mean, you really have to wonder if before this Trump said, okay, they're going to do a mugshot on me. All right, I need to get some type of... uh, behavioral expert or face behavioral expert to what is the best face I should put on. (laughs) Oh, actually, they have that. There was a story on that. Really? Yes. On what to do during, uh, how to essentially the best pose for a good mugshot. And it's a slight grimace, but not a smile. A smile makes you look drunk. Now, they didn't say that. I said that. And and so the 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 picture when I and I like I said when I woke up at ten o'clock is when I first saw it mm-hmm. and and the first thing I thought was wow this could be a record album you know the front of a record album it just, yeah and and that was then my second thought was this photo is going to go down in history a hundred years from now this will be the photo people will be looking at well, however this comes out people will be looking at this photo and then for the present the immediate impact I got from it is it shows the amount of rage and fight that his, that, that uh, I almost said constituents, his supporters feel that's what I got out of it. It showed the rage uh, and also the fight. Cause that's what it is. I mean, he's ready to f- you look at that picture, he's ready to fight. Yeah. 
He's angry. He's raging, but he's ready to fight, which I think a lot of his it is indicative of a lot of his uh, his supporters when they look at it. And as you and I have said before, what the left still doesn't understand is the anger and rage about a two-tier system of justice, the belief that if you can go after a former president or go after a president as they did with the lie for three years, then they can go after anyone. I do feel that it's even bigger than Trump. It's an indication to his followers the level of rot inside law enforcement. I mean, this is deep, 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 deep state, what you've been dealing with, and it's been blunt. And I don't think that a lot of people recognize outside of, you know, Trump supporters, Republicans, maybe a lot of independents that look at it, the 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 rage, the anger that people have because if you have a two-tier system of justice and you have a politically motivated in such a blunt way because the message as i said to everybody a couple of weeks ago uh when um, when Merrick Garland came out is to me i get the feeling as a citizen he's telling me screw you we're corrupt yeah. and we're proud of being corrupt and we'll be blunt that were corrupt. And I think that feeling has hit many, many Americans. And I think that picture of Trump relates those emotions exactly, which is why you saw immediately. It's going to be interesting to see what, when, when I go to sleep and then wake up uh, tomorrow morning, how many people are going to have that as, you know, their, their picture on social media, which shows they identify with it. It's not, it's not him. It's us. And yeah. when you take with that the knowledge of the FBI agent saying, I just couldn't go in, I couldn't weaponize the FBI on on law-abiding parents who were furious, I couldn't be taking their license plate numbers. You know, I, I didn't agree with the fact that the Justice Department helped that that National Board of Education group talk about these parents as domestic terrorists. I mean, this is weaponizing the federal government, and tr- it, they've gone after regular citizens, and now they're going after Trump. Yep. And so who is safe now if we don't fight now and we don't rage now? And that's why you, yep. know, you and I were talking about it. This might solidify it so no matter what, the base doesn't go away for Trump. Well, that's I, I don't because it is something that is that is tangible that you can post. You know, even a video of a like a perp walk video doesn't have this. No, it does not. No, this is no. a still photo. And by the way, what you see in his eyes is resolved. You can say anything, you whether it's a good pe- picture, bad picture, whatever it is. I will say it's a good picture of Trump. Not all pictures of everybody are good pictures of, or any given person, are a good picture of that person. Because I'm reading this, and I just retweeted the, um, reposted on X, formerly known as Twitter, the BBC story about photographers weighing in on what makes a good (laughs) mugshot or a bad mugshot. The reason it is is because he has a very serious look on his face, and it looks like resolve. 
Now, it may look like, man, I really want to get out of here. He may see it that way. He tweeted it. He disarmed the left before they were going to get their moment with it. And it will become the poster for his campaign. 86690-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions, during daylight hours, and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads, during rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And you, yeah, when I was bringing up about Merrick Garland, you know, and the, uh, the whole thing that, you know, hey, being blunt, we're corrupt. Deal with it, America. Yeah. You know, that's all about not only how they treat Trump, but how they're treating the Biden family and everything that we've seen here, the corruption that goes on. Yep. And the public looks at that and they just go, whoa. Now, uh, I believe that this has the possibility of really solidifying his base behind him for the nomination. Does it mean he'll win the general? Well, no, no idea. No, I, you know, here's the thing. Uh, you, you don't win until you finish. And so you've got to convince independence and what the GOP and the Trump campaign will have to do in, in, uh, to a large degree is demonstrate fully the, the two-tier justice system and the rot over and over again. It might be the one thing that motivates independence in the fall of next year. I don't know that, but it might be. Now, in order to do that, you've got to demonstrate what Biden did wrong. And if you do that, he would likely have to step down and who takes his place on the ballot. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan launched a probe into Fulton County District Attorney and the coordinate uh, uh, and and coordinated the indictment of, excuse me, to see if Fulton County District Attorney coordinated the indictment of Trump with federal officials. Just hours before Trump is expected to be arraigned in Fulton County, Jordan opened an investigation on Thursday into Fulton County District Attorney Willis's requesting all records relating to the Trump indictment, and if Willis communicated with Special Counsel Jack Smith or any other federal officials, the special counsel indicted Trump for challenging the 2020 uh, election. Your indictment and prosecution implicate substantial federal interest and the circumstances surrounding your actions raise serious concerns about whether they are politically motivated. Uh, Jordan wrote uh, Willis, as you know, 
you know, she had even run and and talked about the fact that she would go after Trump early on. Yeah. Just like just like Bragg did. Right. It's really interesting I because I don't know, uh, you know, he's he's asking her for the communication. Should he be asking the uh, Jack Smith about his communication? Who does the Judiciary Committee have oversight over her or Jack Smith? Hmm. And that wasn't fully answered for me yesterday. Yeah. No, I actually wondered this the other day. Because you're not asking about the cases. What you're asking about is did you communicate? Has there been a communication back and forth? Because they want to, I, I think probably what, and I don't know if he has sources telling him inside the Department of Justice that this is what happened. That they were constantly communicating, okay, we're going to go after him here. You go after him here. Now, I don't believe it's against the law to do that. Well, I don't. Federal- yeah, I don't even know that it crosses. I, I don't know. Well, I guess the question would be, I don't. Someone would have to demonstrate to me where that would cross the line. I'm not sure it crosses the line because sometimes different jurisdictions will act differently. But here's the problem. You're talking about two different sets of events. So. Let's say there were a number of things that happened, you know, and they all fall under one uh, set of events that the accused uh, is uh, is to have alleged doing. Uh, Then you have different jurisdictions. Okay, on the state level, we're going to charge him with this on the federal level. We're going to charge here. Right. So there's often coordination with the different jurisdictions to say. This is what we want to go after, or we'll just wait it out, let the state go first, and then and uh, the Justice Department will look at, at, at uh, pressing federal charges or something of that nature. So I don't – I would like to see someone break that down. Maybe a Jonathan Turley might be able to do that in terms of where they might have crossed the line or – Andrew McCarthy or someone like that that has that kind of well, experience. Well, the, the only thing that you would want what the only thing that you would want to do is you would want all that information uh the communication back and forth to really see if they believe they have a legit case or they're just going at it and that might be included in some of the communications going back and forth because if you notice both the cases the Jack Smith case going after free speech mm-hmm. and the same thing here so right. many of the indictments are going after things that are basically protected free speech, where if Jordan's wondering, was there coordination to go after the free speech and, in essence, make it a conspiracy or RICO, which is ridiculous that you could show the public that this is something that the Democrats had planned to do, right. which then gets you to, because this would be the point, gets you to the fact that these prosecutors, you know, should you know, should they be... Uh, uh, should they be impeached from their positions because their whole goal was election interference? Right. So they may not be breaking the law, but are they inappropriately interfering in an election which can get you impeached from your position? That would be the thing that I that I would tend to believe hmm. if they're going after, they would go after. Yeah. Because sure. if there's coordination to say, look, we need to go after Trump, we got to come up with some type of charges – because the entire thing is we want to make sure he's tainted. You get that email, that's election interference yeah. from both a uh, a special counsel in cooperation with a local DA to sit there and go, let's file so many 
then maybe we can get him on one, but we'll tie him up. We'll tie up the campaign money. He's got to have the, you know, the, the legal expenses because that's what you're searching for because that would be the election interference from a DA and a special counsel, which would then completely destroy uh, the credibility of, of Jack Smith and of, of Willis. And at that point, you could sit there and say they both need to be, you know, removed from their jobs. Right. For election interference. Yep. Because you can't do that. You can't. You no, just no, you no. you can't as a prosecutor say, I mean, you can do it. But in ninety nine percent of prosecutions, you're not dealing with where you can be accused of election interference. But these charges from both Smith and Willis are so incredibly bogus that it's obvious what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Now, if they're yeah. doing it individually yeah. is one thing. If they're conspiring to do it, would that be a RICO enterprise? <laughs> well, no. I mean, that's I was about to get to the point that, to, that they're to be involved in election interference. Well, they're you know, they're they're guilty of. And we did this with Jack Smith's charges mm-hmm. saying, well, wait a minute. He's doing what. What he's accusing Trump, Trump of, doing. of doing. And then we said mm-hmm. the same thing in Georgia. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow their legal logic, then they, too, are guilty of it. How are they not? Because ultimately, what are they saying? Well, used his considerable power to influence in some way with words. People along the way, in an effort to influence the election or election results. And you're not doing that? Yeah. We said it with both cases. With both prosecutors. Of course they're doing it. If that's their legal logic, they have just absolutely violated the law by their own standard. I don't think it's necessarily right, right. violation of the law. But by but their it, standard, but it, it is because they're prosecuting They're the that. ones moving <laughs> right. on it, not me. Right. Yeah, it will be interesting. So I know where Jordan's going, Yeah, uh, uh, you know, in this because you can get your, – your whole goal would be to destroy their credibility oh, and yeah. get impeachment. Yep. Because if you could destroy their credibility and get them both impeached, oh, you've man. just yeah. – you know, all – you have shown you have shown to the world and independence if everything is political right you've yeah. shown to independence just how corrupt uh the uh, the Biden administration and any democrat is to get trump and be involved in election interference mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. T- you take away something from them now i'm just saying that's what they're hoping to get i don't know what he will get or what he knows right now what jim jordan knows uh over the past few minutes, by the way, I've been following something on online on social media, uh, a mugshot of Hunter Biden. And I was, oh, never mind. That was a selfie. <laughs> Here's the here is, you know, the conundrum that they're in when you go through this. By the way, this also the idea. I don't know. They much less. uh Mm, circulated story, part of the story from yesterday was that prosecution is asking for this. What is two months away? They want to get, they want, they want to see a courtroom 
in two months. Well, I think that's because one of the, quote, co-conspirators, mm-hmm. end of quote, uh-huh. wants a speedy trial. It's mm-hmm. not Trump that will get it. Right. It will be, and, and the problem is the DA doesn't want to separate, doesn't want to separate. Right any of you know any of the charges or have anybody go out on their own mm-hmm. she wants it as a complete rico charge and everybody charged at the same time turley said that probably isn't going to happen that's not going to that's not going to happen it, because the discovery right. they're going to need what, what were they asking for 2026 <laughs> well but he said it's a possibility that if one wanted one they could opt out and their lawyers would have to deal with the discovery that they could only handle because if they're requesting the speedy trial by October, that is the actual Then they defense. limit their own time for discovery. Yeah, they limit their time for discovery sure. at that sure. point. Yeah. But the other the other ones don't give up that right to do so. Right. So there's still a ton of – that's why this thing could go on for years. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. And the, the entire thing of, of Trump saying he doesn't want to be uh, uh, tried till 2026, and I forgot which one it is now, which was it the – uh, it was the a Georgia ju- case, yeah. No, no, not the Georgia case, it was mm. because he was just arraigned on that one. But the one where it had to be the Jack Smith case where he put out 2026. Uh, I thought it was the Georgia. They were just talking about it. I mean, they weren't. I, it wasn't a filing, I don't believe. Yeah, we'll, but Trump we'll go back and look at yeah, it. Yeah, but Trump didn't have a filing before he was arrested. I know that. So that That's was, what I'm saying. They were so, just discussing that, saying that that they would need no, that much no, time. No, 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 because the prosecution came in and said, no, we shouldn't get that said, amount of time. Said, but they initially said March, didn't they? On the prosecution, I thought right, that was Right, but Georgia. that's the Jack Smith. No, the Georgia just, the Georgia just had, he just appeared. He hasn't been even arraigned yet. Right. For that I know, one. I know that, but yeah. I thought that was the discussion no, I on that. Was, okay. I, I thought it was okay. the, the Smith case. Right, okay. okay. There's so many of them. Yeah. But either way... You're not going to get that much. There's no way you're going to get enough time for discovery. There's no way Trump's attorneys are going to say, oh, yeah, we'll be ready in two months. No. There's There's just no no way. Just no way. And there's, again, and I said it early on, uh, especially right after the Georgia uh, indictments came out, When when those indictments landed, and we picked apart everything. And the question is, do they even care if they win? All they need to do, if you're influencing an election, you just need to get those results in November of 24. Anything that happens beyond that point is moot. And you consider that to be a win. Yeah, it's a Jack Smith case looking at mm. the New York Times article. Okay. Yeah. That's the one with 11 million. Yeah, 11 yeah. million. Yeah, the pages. federal... Yeah, the yeah, federal, yeah, pro- yeah, yeah, federal yeah, yeah. prosecutors pushed okay. back on Monday against former President Donald Trump's request to postpone his election interference trial in Washington mm-hmm. until well into 2026. That's the one in yeah, Washington. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, and you're not – the same would happen – you know, the same uh, case can be made by his defense in Georgia. I, I don't know about 2026, but you can still say you're – we're not going to be ready in two months. There's no way. Discovery alone is going to take months. By the way, he changed attorneys yesterday. I saw kind that. of a last minute thing. Yep. But he got an Atlanta attorney. Right. 
And that just which, may be logistics. Which, I don't which know. sometimes is normally what they, they want. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially for the arraignment, too, they want mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah. They, they want an attorney more from of an, that uh, locality. More of a, a, an approach on logistics than, right. than anything. Or mm-hmm. uh, they, they your, know. your knowledge of the, of the courts and judges and, and prosecution right. and everything else and, and the system mm-hmm. uh, and all the above there. So right. um, not a surprise. 86690-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Here we go, the Liberal Circular Firing Squad. Ah. Uh, There's a headline, San Francisco Mayor London Breed blasts the homeless coalition has held city hostage for decades the San Francisco uh, mayor on Wednesday accused the homeless coalition of holding the city hostage. London made those comments while joining a crowd of more than 200 people who had gathered outside the federal courthouse to urge the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to cancel a federal judge order banning the city from clearing tent encampments until there are more shelter beds than homeless individuals. The Homeless Coalition has held San Francisco hostage for decades. It's time for their reign to end, London Breed said, noting that the city has spent billions of dollars to help homeless people. People who want more tents cleared chanted, save our streets, while a smaller crowd of those supporting the injunction called uh, on the uh, sidewalk, or excuse excuse me, rallied on the sidewalk, beside them chanting, stop the sweeps. The downtown courthouse is near a Whole Foods market that closed in April, citing worker safety and deteriorating street conditions. Yeah. Well, it's what they voted for in San Francisco for years is exactly what they got. There was no other conclusion that they were going to reach. Right. Now they don't like it. Right. Exactly. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.